0: Hey everybody, how you doing? It's Michael Gray once again, and uh, had a Twitter exchange with an old friend in Seattle a couple of weeks ago, and uh, emptied out some of the stuff that rolls around in my head. It's a bad place up here. Was pretty sure it was only a curiosity to me, but then I got a request to dive a little bit deeper into what's going on with the similarities between the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. So, why the hell not? Let's do this. Cue the music. the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is... The Detroit Lions Podcast. So let me start with where this whole thing started. A buddy of mine in Seattle, Jackson Devins, who writes for Field Goals, has an excellent podcast called Cigar Thoughts. He has an excellent column called Cigar Thoughts. Jackson has Cigar Thoughts. Look him up on Twitter, Jackson Bevins, uh, if you're curious at all about how things are going in Seattle. He's going to have some of the best information you're going to find out there. And besides that, it's just an excellent writer. So I can't recommend that enough. And they're going to play each other this year, so it might matter to you as a Lions fan. He mentioned that Pete Carroll, John Schneider, general manager, head coach of the Seattle Seas, had been in quite a heater since the Russell Wilson game and it occurred to me as I'm mentally keeping track of all of the things that these two teams have in common because I have a shared interest having lived in both places, that this was just a continuation of what's going on there. Now, there are a number of different uh, uh, points of correlation. We draw in the Venn diagram, lots of points of intersection. Some of them have to do with the numbers. We'll get into that. Some of them have to do with the culture and the cultural reset that both teams are trying to execute. And we'll get into that. There's the looking forward, into the next season part that I think is the most fun. I don't know if it's useful, but it's March in the NFL, so let's have some fun instead. And then there's one very important difference between these two teams that we can't look past. Start with the numbers. Both finished nine and eight. Everybody remembers just exactly how the playoff scenario played out. Seattle needed Detroit to win the Sunday night football game in Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers ends his career with an interception. Thank you, Kirby Joseph. We get to live with that forever. Uh, Detroit needed Seattle to lose. They didn't, Uh, they didn't. There were a couple of dunderheads uh, around the country that thought that if that Seattle game was played before Detroit played, that Detroit would roll over and play dead and not try. And you should remember the names of the people that told you that because those people don't know football and you shouldn't take them seriously because they're not smart and they weren't paying attention. So both teams finished nine and eight as a result of their big blockbuster trades we'll get into in a minute and the way that they finished the hawks draft 5 and 20 the lions draft 6 and 18 a lot of similarities nfl.com ranked quarterbacks i think there were 64 of them 68 a lot all the quarterbacks that played san francisco accounted for 14 or 15 of them uh, they uh, they ranked jared Goff number 8 they ranked Geno Smith number 9 so that's the numbers similar The attitude and what's needed for both teams, similar. It's a cultural reset. The Lions are digging out from the disaster that was alleged genius and noted pencil enthusiast Matt Patricia. The Seahawks trying to find life in a post-Team 3 world. And both of those challenges were front burner when the season started. Less so now, as both teams have kind of established an identity in their post trauma worlds, both teams going with youth, putting a lot of young players on the field. Both teams, as I mentioned, pull off a franchise QB trade. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to trade a franchise QB, you know, unless you're the Raiders or the Packers or the Chargers or the. You get it. It's happening more and more. And both of these teams got in, got a bank load for their franchise QB. The Lions send Matt Stafford to the Rams, and we all know Russell Wilson's situation in Denver as he looks to recover from that. So they both trade the franchise QB, and they both have a QB redemption story. Both of these teams now, with Jared Goff and with Geno Smith, are tied at the hip that way because both of these guys had been left for dead. Jared Goff more recently, in, after being plowed under by Sean McVay. And Geno Smith just not being given opportunity after not being given opportunity after not being given opportunity. Ends up with a brand new contract. Starts the season. Jared Goff finishes fantastic. Plays great football. Has a team built around him. And I think most importantly, has the full confidence of the organization moving forward. Both quarterbacks. They both have their coach. They both have their general manager. Both their contracts are manageable because neither one of them got paid like Aaron Rodgers. And so Both of these quarterbacks are on the same arc, and nobody had that picked when they took the field for the first time for their respective teams. That brings us to now and looking forward, and these teams find themselves on similar paths there as well. Both need to decide on Jalen Carter in the draft. They draft five and six. Jalen Carter spent the combine talking to the cops, then spent two weeks eating his feelings, then showed up for his pro day nine days, or nine pounds, rather, heavy, and couldn't finish his drill work. He's dropping. How far? Both teams have a need in the center of the defensive line. Every team needs a penetrating defensive tackle. That's not news. Both of these teams may have a shot at him, and it will be a central story if those teams pick at five and six, whether or not Jalen Carter's on the board, and if they take him. It's going to be a huge part of the complexion of the first round of the draft. So both of these teams get to play a role in that. They're both in the rare space to have a quarterback. As I mentioned, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, they've got the confidence of the coaching and management staff. They're moving forward. But both teams have the draft capital and the ability to potentially have their quarterback and their future. You can have your cake and eat it too. This is the Kansas City Chiefs plan with Jared Goff and Geno Smith playing the part of Alex Smith and somebody, anybody, I don't care who playing the part of Patrick Mahomes. I'll leave that debate for other people that are far smarter than me. That list isn't short. But both of these teams have that ability right now. They don't have so many gaps and they don't have so many deficits in the roster that they absolutely have to pour, pour that draft capital in another direction. And even though they've got the quarterback, they could find themselves in the rare position to take another one or trade out to a team that wants one of those quarterbacks and get even more loot in, the tr- in, in lieu of a draft trade. So both of them are finding themselves in that exact same spot there. In the event that they stand pat or go in another direction at five and six away from the quarterback, back to these similarities, Geno's contract in Seattle is almost certainly going to serve as a template in some form or fashion for any deal that Jared Goff may do moving forward. And if the Lions don't draft a quarterback highly, and if they don't think that they have the quarterback of the future on the roster by the time May and June roll around, then you can count on Jared Goff being a little bit of a longer-term plan. As it stands right now in March, again, like my previous video, is a great time to look stupid. They're stockpiling an awful lot of salary cap cash. In, in Detroit. And, you know, quick aside, I, I don't know. They keep signing guys and they keep finding more salary cap. I don't know how that's happening. And I'm not sure why, but they're up to something. And maybe a Jared Goff contract is in the offing. The Geno Smith deal will certainly serve as a reference point for anything they do there. Now, the one important difference, the thing that cannot be overlooked and cannot be overstated, and Jackson uh, was quick to point this out, and he's absolutely right. Pete Carroll has skins on the wall. He's got his pelts up. His bona fides are in question. He's trying to get back to championship form. I was there when the Seahawks won their first Super Bowl. I was there when they went to the second one in a row. Pete Carroll knows what a dominant championship football team looks like. Dan Campbell is in a completely different space. He has to learn to manage expectations now. The Lions, as a franchise, have not had to manage expectations in a minute and dan campbell's been able to play the plucky underdog up until now including the hard knocks and everything that went into that now they're darlings now people are talking about detroit in ways that i've quite frankly never heard maybe once or twice during the barry sanders years but too many people have too many expectations for this year's lions team and the opportunity to fall flat on their face is ever present pete carroll's got experience managing that Dan Campbell doesn't, and that is the big difference between these two teams with all of the other similarities. Having said that, because they're set up in such weird places where they're 5-6, and six, they're 18-20 and 20 in the draft, because they finish 9-8, and eight, because they play each other, because Geno and Jared Goff provide such an interesting backstory, because Jalen Carter may be playing on one of these rosters, and if he's not, we'll be talking about the guy they took instead if both teams pass on him, and that's a... That's, Distinctly possible, it's going to be fun to watch these teams moving forward and just exactly where they end up because they've both been so similar to this point over the last 12 to 18 months. They could be on a collision course for the playoffs. Both of these divisions are in flux. The NFC North has lost Aaron Rodgers. Minnesota's a question mark. Chicago is scrambling to rebuild. The Rams have fallen apart in the NFC West. The Arizona Cardinals are just kind of doing Arizona Cardinal things. And then the 49ers, they're supposed to be something every year, but their quarterback is like the drummer from Spinal Tap and keeps bursting into flames. So more questions than answers in terms of the complexion of both of these divisions. So who knows? Like I said, it's March. These are silly things that only exist in my head. I wouldn't have brought any of this up had it not been for the fact that I took that question. So hopefully this answers some of it a little viewfinder into, uh, you know, what's going on up here. Kind of a, kind of a mess. Once again, check out Jackson Bevins there with field goals and his Cigar Thoughts podcast, his Cigar Thoughts column. Uh, if you're curious about Seahawks stuff, I cannot recommend his writing enough and I'll see you next time. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Woo! About, baby? Lines on three, one, two, three. Rise! You've had enough of that shit.